everybody. Welcome to Back Office to Boardroom podcast. I am Claire Smith, your host, and I'm so excited and thrilled to be welcomed by Jennifer Roberts, Director of Marketing Strategy at Service Titan. Jen, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. I know you have such a storied, interesting career. Um, You've also made incredible progress and successes at huge companies like Expedia and Service Titan and Thomson Reuters. So we'll definitely get into that and your career progression story there. But we can't really, we can't wait to hear more about how you've really progressed CI from back office to boardroom. Um, But what what should we know about you, Jen? What's your intro? What should people be aware of um, as our amazing guest today? Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I think you covered it. Uh, I've been around uh, throughout this career as I stumbled into CI, Minnesota, born and raised, but uh, I love working out west and, and uh, so to speak. So uh, yeah, but excited to be here. I was just in Minnesota last week for a wedding. So huge fan of that city. There's such interesting people and uh, you know, the, the accents always, always get me. I don't really hear your accent, Jen. Do you have a strong one? Or are you hiding it today? No, I get that quite frequently. And I'm okay with it. So. You're okay with it. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come out throughout the podcast. So our listeners will have to keep a, a keen ear open. Absolutely. <laughs> so we've been dying to hear a little bit more about your journey and compete. Um, and how that's translated into your successes, career highlights. So let's start into that. What was your career like getting into Compete? Did you plan that? Is it what you wanted to be when you grew up? I uh, I never really intended to be here. Um, <laughs> I started I started with like uh, public policy uh, and leveraging data to make change, and found my way into benchmarking uh, and legal analytics for for a while. That was a stint at Thomson Reuters. But at that time, I had an amazing uh, you know, VP who always like taught us about like how to resonate and tell that story with the field and the customer focus, and um, you know took on a, a varied role on that team, which led me into joining an innovators dilemma team at a startup. And I wore tons of hats there. I was there for many years. Uh, quite frequently questioned my career in terms of becoming such a generalist, as I wore so many hats. But it wasn't until I took a job at Expedia that was solely focused on compete. Um, and I read the resume. I was like, yeah, I, I could do this. Like, I've done this before. I, I've, do, I've stood this up. I haven't spent an intimate amount of time with it, but I have the basics down. And I also had the great fortune of being at a place at the time where failure was looked at as learning, not failing. And so I got to see a lot of different iterations of how things worked in the you know product marketing CI world. And so um, at Expedia, I, you know, put a few things together and uh, there were things that were already in motion that I could latch onto and uh, help to grow the program quickly. Um, and so I took those opportunities and risks, so to speak, uh, and then was able to replicate it again at Service Titan. But because I knew the basics and because I had that, you know, I had a CMO at Expedia who looked at me and was like, you're the expert here. You tell us what you need. You know, it really allowed me to figure that out and then have that foundation to replicate it, but take it up a level as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think at every single organization that you were at, you probably leveled them up. Um, but I wanted to hit you with a really hard question at the beginning, which is you mentioned the concept of failures and how... It's so important to be in a culture where they embrace that. 
obviously with a quick pivot to um, improvement. Any top stories about failing in your career, in your CI career that we can learn from as a listening audience? Yeah, you know, it's a great great question. Um, So when I think about failure, I think I've always looked at it as learning. I think Mm -hmm. that kind of early days, think about some of like the first product testing we did with this product we were trying to build in this innovators team. And we like, we're so pumped. We got the algorithm right. We had been doing ethnographies, like watching how these people worked for, for weeks and the and customer didn't like it. They're like, that freaks me out. Like, I don't want anything to do with it. Right. Oh, no. And so it was a rough lesson in failure because we actually, you know, we did what we set out to do, but we didn't, lead it listening to the stakeholder, right? And so I think it was just like a broader lesson in in like really listening and understanding the stakeholders' needs, uh, which really speaks to the importance of enablement. And as you start thinking about CI and making it more strategic, I think I, I learned a lot from, you know, that sort of disconnect um, and kind of investment made you know, without listening to the stakeholders, kind of what they were optimizing for, because we were not not on the same page. <laughs> Yeah, hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Hundred <laughs> percent. So you you mentioned a little bit about you know getting stakeholder buy in, listening to your stakeholders. What does that look like in terms of engaging with executives? And what tips would you give people who are preparing for their first ever executive engagement and they need to speak about compete or market strategy or competitors? Any thoughts or feedback there? Yeah. Um, one big thing that I hang my hat on is, is establishing credibility as quickly as possible. And so mm-hmm. you want a, you know, your executive team to know that you've got it. I, the, the great CMO now who basically was like, look, one of your goals in your first six months is like, I, I want everyone to come to you instead of me. Right. And so that speaks to that credibility piece in terms of you know, getting in front of that audience, know your stuff and have your team there to back you up, right? Like, I think that's super empowering. Always rely on your team as well. If you want, if you want help, right? You want, you want to practice or you want feedback. Um, We're a heavy memo culture here. So we like to dwindle it down to its like truest, most basic form. And so it gives this opportunity to iterate. So you're super prepared when you have that conversation because that memo goes out before the conversation. Um, and it also allows for talking points if there's questions to be super effective. Uh, so you can mm-hmm. get to action pretty fast rather than talking content. I love that. Yeah. I think half the time you're trying to establish yourself while you're in the room, right? Show that you're yeah. credible, uh, that you're a force to be reckoned with. And then it's the delivery of the content. And then the last five minutes you talk about actions, right? Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about that. Like how have you flipped that on its head and what do you do um, before the meeting or after the meeting to set your program up for success in the long term in terms of delivering on those objectives? Yeah, no, it's a it's a great question. So that mem- that pre-read is ideal, right? So you're getting that information in front of them, um, you know, at least the day before, if you can, a few days before. I know how life works, though. So, um, but you want to give them enough time to read it. Uh, And so I think that's, you know, pre-meeting. During meeting, it's about reinforcing and listening, right? What questions are being raised. Post-meeting, it's about reporting out on takeaways. And then it's all follow through. And that's like a huge credibility builder too, right? Like if you're going to say you're going to track something in the next cycle, you track it in the next cycle, you call out that you're tracking it thanks to their feedback, right? So yeah. So I think there's a 
feedback loop, a follow-up loop, um, and also just like a need to keep rapport. So like there's mm-hmm. consistent reporting that comes from my team on the quarter as it relates to kind of how, you know, what is our story in the market right now? And so in terms of our performance so from a win-loss perspective, from a voice of, you know, like we pull on, we partner with voice of the customer to get that perspective in there as well. We pull on our marketing counterparts to get at SEO and, 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 you know, DQs and other pieces of the puzzle in there as well as we look at it very holistically. And so, you know, all those different audiences also want different content. So the stakeholders in sales and revenue uh, are much more interested in different things than product. And so it's also about like pivoting that content so that it resonates with them. um, And then again, following through on it. So they're no to expect things, you know, and then you should build that credibility. The consistency, I think, is a piece that is often like a hit or miss with Compete, right? And it really sounds like the companies that you've worked at have a strong culture of competitive intelligence sharing and also enablement. Talk to me about that. Like what has worked in your experience of shaping that culture? How have you leveled that up um, in your experience? Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people can resonate with like a very reactive culture where you're, you have a million stakeholders, right? Um, And everyone has an opinion and the sky is falling, et cetera. (laughs) Uh, So I think we've all been there. Um, But the the success I found is making it proactive. So I find that Mm -hmm. the the reason you have a compete, a compete channel on whatever messaging, you know, tool you use is, you know, so they can just raise alarm, right? And who's seen this? Who's seen this? Don't we have this? And it's very, you know, uh, it's it's reactive in and of itself there. Um, And that's frequently how we are communicated to. And so you have to show them that you understand, right? And and that you want, uh, and that comes back to that listening to the needs of the stakeholder. And so some of the first things I've done to really establish compete uh, and show that like, hey, we get it. Like we understand here's how we're going to address it and be proactive about it is one low hanging fruit. Everybody wants battle cards. You got to put in the work. You got to set up the foundation. You got to set up the structure. They don't know what they don't know. So they know battle cards. They know that it's a sales tool and in most selling processes. And so, you know, it becomes, okay, that low hanging fruit and then educating them on perhaps different ways to use that fruit to make them more successful, testing it out, showing them the outcomes of what happens when you use, when you, you know, go into that toolbox versus not use that toolbox. Um, and then help prove your case, get champions to, to go on those enablement calls and say, hey, I use this talk track and I closed this deal, right? Uh, it's, it's a lot, a lot of that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jody Geiger, Revenue Enablement Coach at Clue, and welcome to my new show, Winning as Women on the Compete Network. I will be joined by the best sellers, revenue leaders, and coaches in the world. Come for tactical advice from people overcoming the same challenges you are facing, and stay for real talk, exploring the moments behind the outward success. We'll go deep on topics like how to elevate as a seller, what makes a high value creating team? How can you make customer success a company-wide sport? And how to get an edge against the competition? And if the title didn't give it away, yep, the guests, they're mostly women. Why? Well, because it's mostly men giving advice on how to coach and lead in revenue teams today. 
We know representation matters and we want that next generation to only know a world where selling, leading and driving organizations forward is equally done by all people. Listen to Winning as Women exclusively on the Compete Network and make sure to join us for our next event. I know earlier, Jen, when we were prepping for the podcast, you were talking about um, having a pilot group. And I think everything that you've talked about is actually right material to take to executives, right? When you have proof of what's working in deals, when you have recordings, when you have validation, tell me a little bit more around what works to actually take all of your hard work day in and day out and elevate that to executives. Yeah. So uh, the win-loss is really my entree to the executive team, right? So it's something that they expect on the quarter, a memo goes up to them, and then different conversations happen, right? Roadshows with certain teams where we dig a little bit deeper. Um, But this is a perfect opportunity for us to also in those memos say like, hey, look, this is how competitive is handling this this quarter. Mm -hmm. And then call out all the things that we're doing. And then also report out the impact we're making. So those pilots, we can report out like, hey, this quarter we tested these new battle cards. The folks that used them achieved this win rate as compared to the folks that didn't use them, right? Um, We can share adoption of certain content. Um, We can pull in qualitative pieces uh, Mm -hmm. from interviews and and gong calls, et cetera. And so I think there's a lot of different levers, if you will, but I use win-loss uh, it allows me to have a lot of different conversations with a lot of different stakeholders, you know, uh, especially at the executive level, because product is equally as interested for product reasons why we win and we lose, whereas revenue is more on the sales motion and the messaging. So, again, it mm-hmm. comes down to curating that information. Absolutely. And giving the right amount of information to the right person at the right time, right? Yeah. All of that rapport, I think, gives you just so much credibility when you walk in to the executive boardroom right, and give that presentation. Yeah. Is there anything that you might have done differently looking back at all your executive engagements and all the programs that you've scaled from Compete to product marketing and now to some of the newer programs you're, you're scaling? Anything that you would do differently looking back at your younger self? I feel like I resisted CI for a while. <laughs> I just like, I, I I had an amazing boss at the time. I was at, at, a, at a startup and he's like, you know, you could, you could really do it. Like, I think you'd be great at it. And I was like, I, I don't know if I want to. I resisted it, thrashed a little bit. I eventually leaned into it, but I think it's funny. And I think it just speaks to like, just how unknown this industry like of CI really is, mm-hmm. right? Like maybe not so much unknown, but just like there's just so much opportunity here, right? And it's beyond that, you know, combating a reactive program. It's getting into turning it to be proactive. So you can report out your efforts. You can report out that impact. Uh, and you can show of that broader, uh, more holistic need, you know, for for CI to be embedded in a lot of what you do from product roadmap uh, to sales strategy. So yeah, it's just on us to like change that industry and show, you know, companies like what CI can really do and that's what like is empowering to me like it's so exciting it's the base of everything my team does now right because it's where we started we also have an amazing vantage point of being in strategy uh so mm-hmm. we're positioned really well to be very like, horizontal right and it allows mm-hmm. us to navigate you were talking earlier about kind of pre-baking differentiation in our prep calls for the podcast. Double click on that for me. Um, it sounds like CI was a cornerstone, was like the foundation for other programs to be built on, which is pretty unique. So I'd love to hear a little more about that. 
Yeah, no, it is super unique and it's, I'm loving the opportunity. It's really cool how it's all worked out. But yeah, I originally was brought on to just do CI uh, and focus mm -hmm. on CI and build out this program. And that intense focus, which I had at Expedia too, I think is another factor in success, right? I had a scope, I had very clear deliverables and I could show outcomes for those deliverables in the sense of the impact we're making or even just delivering that content. And so as the team's needs grew uh, across the organization, we found that there was a strong need for product marketing as it relates to prospects uh, mm -hmm. and really focusing on pre-sales. And so now building out that team, and I have, an, uh, I have an amazing counterpart who handles the customer side of it, and we part we have a really interesting partnership, uh, kind of service engagement, if you will, um, to focus on both prospect and customer consistently. Uh, but the focus on prospect is really grounded in CI because that's where we started. And so, you know, we have the platforms in place, we have all the messaging there, and now it's really about bringing stronger product pieces with audience pieces, if you will, to, to mix it all together uh, as we think about messaging and that kind of sales journey. Super fascinating. And it sounds like you're testing very, very quickly when you're validating with prospects, getting that yeah. compete content out there in your sales cycles or even externally in the market. Anything that you've learned through that, that shift and through that evolution of your new program? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of pieces you need, right? It, it's super yeah. collaborative, right? Like you, I'm really grateful to have an awesome voice of the customer partner as well, right? There, it can't, mm -hmm. it can't just do it in a tunnel, right? If you want to be strategic yeah. and proactive, you've got to, you've got to partner, um, and you've got to share the successes, right? I've also found that like sometimes you got to latch onto someone else's project to get your own things done, right? So mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of different ways you can collaborate and partner, but you've got you've got to be horizontal in this. Like you yeah. you can't just be so vertically focused. And so I joke with sales that it's a concert, right? We like we all have to work together, all the instruments to to really make it hum. I love that. Yeah, to to really deliver that best musical or that best uh, song to the market, 100%. Everyone has to be in lockstep. I think yeah. to the point around the horizontal collaboration, I know personally in my career, that's been super, super important. The relationships, the credibility that you build in relationships, how people want to pull you into projects that you did not know about, right? Um, is so critical to your success. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground today, Jen. So grateful for your participation and all your insight, but I'm going to throw you um, a curveball here. Seems like you are obviously an expert in all things compete and enablement and product marketing and even econometrics you mentioned earlier and public policy. <laughs> what is something that we don't know about you and what would you present on for 30 minutes that's not work-related? That's not work-related? Okay. I mean... <laughs> I'm such a nerd. Like I'm like data. No. Um, here, I have, a, I have a fun one. We talked. We talked about my career early on, uh, so I'll throw a curveball out there. I was a magician's assistant for years, and so I mean, I traveled like for it, uh, all all the good stuff. So maybe that's I. You know, I definitely picked up a few tricks uh, that I pulled into my career there. But uh, yes, I would uh, definitely talk about that experience and maybe share some some actual magic. Who knows? <laughs> I love that. You always have tricks up your sleeve, right, Jen? Whether it's compete or life stories or everything that comes together in terms of building relationships with people. I see the themes. I th see the themes coming together. Hundred percent. So. 
lastly, I want to close out our conversation today just talking about the future of the compete industry. So similar to my career, I didn't know that I would have this job 10 years ago. I didn't even know that this job existed, right? And we don't know where the career, the career path of people are going to be going in the next 10 years. So right. where do you see the compete industry going? And what are some um, moments that you're looking forward to seeing happen as it evolves, gets more investment and becomes um, more of a seat at the executive boardroom table. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So it becomes far more proactive than reactive. We can't keep responding yeah. to the fire hose. Uh, and also we can't eat the whole elephant. Like you, like we got to focus and, and that's how, that's how we get there. Right. Um, in terms of being proactive and strategic, right. I'd love to see more and more compete programs sit in strategy rather than sitting just like squarely in product marketing. And I know I say that when I sit and I own product, a little bit of product marketing and I sit within, you know, with another product marketing team, but I think it needs its own legs. Right. So mm -hmm. like if I think about my CI program uh, and the team I have, the amazing team I have there, they focus solely on compete and they focus on pre and post sales. So if you think about like win loss and then churn. Right. And so uh, they, they, focus on the full gamut of the customer's journey. Whereas my product marketers, you know, are geared towards more audience specifics um, and really focused on, on that acquisition side of the house. And so I think they're important to sit near each other, but I'd love to see CI become more and more strategic as well. And, and kind of moments, I think, you know, starting to see more and more CI titles uh, at, you know, the VP and higher levels. Um, definitely is something, but yeah, I think overall the reliance on it is only going to become more important and we have to be really data driven in, in showing that path so that we can get there and, and show the value of CI to the company. You said it so well, Jen. I couldn't have said it any better myself. Just want to thank you so much for coming on our podcast today, for sharing your wisdom and really paying it forward in the industry. I can't wait to see you become the future VP and, and C-level of, of Compete. I wish you only the best in your career. We'll have to have you back on the podcast, but thank you again. Thank you so much. Talk soon, everybody.